Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. And uh, kind of an unusual day. We've had beautiful weather all week. All of a sudden, we wake up this morning, we've got snow. We've got sub-freezing temperatures. Uh, roads were not great. I, I drove down to Greenwood and Franklin uh, this morning. And uh, it's a little dicey a little bit on 65. So, um Hope you got through the day okay. Hope you enjoyed your day, the weather notwithstanding. I just participated in a really cool event, uh, really just the closing stage of a really cool event called the Warrior 110. And you've probably heard uh, a gentleman by the name of Brian Alvey on Hammer and Nigel. Uh, I uh, just talked to him yesterday, in fact, when I was filling in for Jason Hammer. And uh, Brian's one of the founders of the Warrior 110. And uh, and we've got Brian on, on the uh, drivehuber.com hotline. And Brian, first of all, thanks a lot for letting me participate today. But tell people a little bit uh, about uh, what uh, the Warrior 110 is all about. Well, shoot. Hey, you know, thanks so much for coming out and joining us. We really appreciated your participation, and it was great. Um, so the Warrior 110 is an organization that I founded uh, almost five years ago. And it is uh, – Basically, so to re- retain and keep awareness up with respect to all things post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injuries that are affecting combat veterans, which is, as uh, everybody is well aware, is all too often the leading cause of what has become an epidemic of 22 veterans committing suicide on a daily um, basis. So uh, what we do is we raise funds and awareness to help send veterans to programs to help them combat and learn resilience with respect to uh Dealing with such things, and uh, and then hopefully the awareness helps uh, give the opportunity to the guys that are much smarter than me, you know, the guys with the letters behind their names, the doctors and whatnot, to continue to try to dig deep and uh, figure out, you know, how, uh, the answers to these issues. Well, you know, and, and in doing uh, just that, that is raising awareness and uh, soliciting uh, contributions, raising funds uh, for those purposes, um, you guys you guys do a, a ruck, uh, a, a march, uh, essentially, that covers 110 miles. I mean, thus the Warrior 110, starting uh, about Louisville and ending up in Greenwood, Indiana, and you do that in only about five days, uh, which is pretty damn incredible. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we started in Louisville. Uh, I, unfortunately, went down hard sick this year, so I, I missed a few days in the middle of it, but luckily my uh, my co-conspirator, Darren Tissender, was a walking point, and then my son, Joseph, who's currently serving in the Army, stepped up and did the entire thing in my, in my stead. Um, so... 
I was able to do the first day for, for about 10 miles, and that's when they finally made me go to the med check <laughs> and then uh, went down, and then uh, I was able to do the last 10 today. So, and I'm feeling it right now, something fierce. You know, the, the switch clicked or, you know, or clicked on when I, we took off, and then uh, all the adrenaline pumped in, and I did it, and I felt fine while I was doing it. But now all that's starting to subside, and I'm ready to go down for the night. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you yeah, what. We do, we go, uh, go ahead. I, I was cruising along, and through five or six miles, I'm like, oh, man, I got this. This, this, I, uh, you know, this is a piece of cake. Then about mile eight, I'm going, okay, now my knees hurt. Okay, and, and about eight and a half ago, cookie. Now my feet hurt, and that last mile and a half or so, I've never been so happy. We ended up uh, at the American Legion in Greenwood, there on thirty-one, and so we covered basically about. Uh, nine miles or so straight up 31 so if you were down on on that side of town and and you saw a bunch of uh crazy people uh you know in the snow and in the ice and carrying american flags and and uh marching up the side of of us 31 that was us uh but man i've never been so happy to see that american legion sign as when we kind of came around a little bit of the turn in 31 and i'm like oh thank god because uh my dogs were barking at that point well, what do you think about, you know, well, first off, how great was it to have the sheriff's department to come out oh, yeah. of course that enhanced our safety and made that thing so much easier than it could have been going through all those intersections. You know, the, uh, we are blessed down here with an amazing sheriff's department and an amazing sheriff uh, himself. So uh, very thankful for them. But what do you think about all that support when oh, we're coming up to that, that's what, the coolest thing. We're, we're going up 31. And, you know, people could have been annoyed with us because, as you mentioned, we, we, it was escorted by law enforcement. And so, uh, you know, police would block intersections to let us uh, hustle through. And, you know, people could have been annoyed. People have places to go. Uh, you know, I, I got stuck in an intersection uh, forever one time with uh, uh, the Carmel Marathon, and I'm cussing and I'm upset. And, you know, and I, to, it was to myself. I wasn't yelling at anybody because uh, I respected what they were doing. But, you know, people could have been upset with us and i gotta tell you every intersection we went through just plus just marching up the side of us 31 people were honking people were waving their own american flags out the window of their vehicles we were getting thumbs up all over everywhere i i I got tired of waving at people who were honking at us uh because it happened you know every 10 seconds it was that that was as inspiring as anything uh, just to see that amount of community support for what we were doing yeah, well, there, you know, there's a, you know, we see a lot of negativity out there today, especially in the the quote unquote mainstream media and and, and whatnot. But you know, you get to do something like that, and you realize just how many great Americans we have running around this country. You know, it's a, you know, we we don't believe the negative narratives. You know, just get out there and do something like that, and it'll it'll reinspire you to realize that, that we're just surrounded by good people. Yeah, we we really are, and I'll tell you, the the one ten itself in terms of your guys. Uh, march all the way from Louisville to Greenwood, Indiana. That that wrapped up today, but that doesn't mean people can't still get involved and people can't still contribute. Um, no. Isn't that right? I mean, in, including going directly to the website. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we have a website, thewarriorwin10.org. Uh, on the landing page, there's a donation button. If you're so inclined to contribute to our cause, we would much appreciate it. And you can read about us on there as well. But again, that's the Warrior 110.org. Uh, and then on Facebook, just search the Warrior 110. You'll find us rather easily on, on Facebook as well. And, and there's all kinds of links there. And then also link to the website. And uh, if anybody has any questions, they can message directly to that Facebook page. I monitor it myself. 
uh, amongst a couple other people. And uh, so we try to be real responsive. But, yeah, uh, and we we don't just do the 110. It's branched off into a lot of things. That's obviously the, the cornerstone of what we do every year. You know, every uh, Veterans Day week we do the 110 now. We'll be doing that on an annual basis. This was our fourth annual one. Uh, and then, um, but, you know, last May we did a, a 50-kilometer ultra marathon and then, uh, you know, we, we've done various different things. I, I even, my my idiot self jumped on and uh, decided to write a bowl for the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw the video of that. So I was know, impressed. I, I'm notorious for doing ridiculously stupid things. So, <laughs> well, I'll but tell I you what, and, and I'm doing this uh, in the in the reverse order I should have, but uh, but if anybody wants to go to the uh, warrior110.org and say, hey, man, you know, I, I want to contribute a buck for, for every mile that Guy Rilford at, at, at age 65 walked on Saturday because I walked all 10 of it uh, or yeah, 10 did. bucks or 20 bucks or what, whatever you're inspired to do. It, it couldn't go to a better cause, which is, again, raising money for programs to help veterans, especially those um, that are facing the, the crisis of suicide. Uh, losing yeah. 22 a day, uh, that's an epidemic. And, and that's why I applaud uh, folks like you a combat veteran who stepped up to help your fellow veterans um but hey if you want to go on there and say hey this is for it's for guys old ass who got out and uh and and humped it for 10 miles today up us yeah. 31 uh then or not or you know for for any reason you care to i would appreciate well, that tremendously because I, I, I believe in your cause i'm a witness you did it you got out there and you're right there with all of us hanging tough so it was awesome yeah, well, my shoes are off now, man, because my dogs, my dogs are yapping hard. So, oh, mine, mine I, I'm walking around flip flops now. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, you're you're still at the Legion. You guys are having a kind of a wrap up party. Uh, so, man, I hope you got some good bourbon and a, and a, and an excellent cigar, and uh, I hope you celebrate the conclusion of another successful Warrior One Ten. We are, brother. I appreciate you. All right, brother. You too, man. Thanks so much. I'm proud to, to be your friend, and I'm proud to participate in your event. I'll tell you what, we're right at the quarter hour, so we're taking a break. We'll be right back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. Again, man, I, I am knocked out by the patriotism that exists in this country. And, you know, no greater example than the event I participated in this afternoon uh, with a whole lot of great Americans. We had, as Brian and Albie and I were talking about, we had a whole bunch of great Americans driving by and honking and waving their own flags and pulling over and high-fiving us. Uh, it, really, it was neat. And if you get a chance to participate uh, in something like this, uh, or if you're a crazy person and want to go out and walk ridiculously long distances. Now, again, I just finished the thing up, but make no mistake, I did not walk all 110 miles with these guys. Uh, I was talking to some of the, the, the organizers and the people that did the whole thing. And uh, and by the way, Brian wasn't uh, very explicit in, in discussing. He said he went down the first day. This is not from fatigue from walking. He got a horrible case of the flu. I mean, running a, a major temperature. I mean, they, they held him at the med check uh, for quite some time. I think even gave him an IV for fluids because this guy was sick. Uh, so it, it, this wasn't uh, in any way related to just walking. He came down with some kind of a bug that uh, that completely floored him, but he still came back and, and finished it today. But I was talking to some of the organizers, and uh, and I said, man, I said, so you guys covered that distance in that amount of time. That means you, you were you were averaging over 20 miles a day. And I got to tell you, 10 miles a day about killed me. 
and uh, and he said, yeah. He said, see, we averaged uh, in the mid twenties. He said uh, the first day we covered thirty two miles. I'm trying to imagine doing three x. Uh, what we did today, and uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not signing up for that anytime soon. So uh, my hat's off. Uh, you know, may, I don't know, maybe a few years ago, yeah, maybe. I, I, I definitely am nut, I'm nuts enough to try it. Whether I could have pulled it off, I don't know. But at any rate, it was fun to participate. Uh, let's switch gears. And I, I, I noticed an article uh, put out, it was an interview with a uh, Washington University uh, law professor named Leela Sadat. And, and I got to tell you, a great concern of mine, as someone who's been a lawyer for a long time, who's, who's been practicing law for a long time, graduated from law school uh, a heck of a long time ago, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned about the, the lawyers that are being produced by law schools today. Frankly, uh, we ought to be concerned about the graduates uh, that are get, that are you know coming out of all of our post-secondary uh, educational facilities across this country because of who's teaching them. And uh, and and people that go into education seem to come from a particular political philosophy, and it's not conservative, not by a long shot. And Professor Leela Sadat, who is the James Carr Professor of International Criminal Law at Washington University School of Law, uh, could not be a better example. But the, a quote that that she made, and there, she's talking about gun control and Second Amendment rights. And of course, like a lot of law professors, including a law professor that we see over at the State House right here in Indiana all the time from the Bloomington IU School of Law. This lady here in Indiana shows up and she testifies for every gun control bill uh, ever introduced. And she testifies against every pro-2A bill uh, that we ever bring. She testified against our self-defense immunity law in 2019. Uh, uh, Why? I mean, you think criminals should be able to sue their victims? That's what our self-defense immunity law was about in 2019. So, yeah, we had we have our own version of this right here at Indiana University in in the form of a law professor who likes to show up and argue, for instance. And she's explicitly argued this multiple times that 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 the Second Amendment is a second class right among the rights in the Bill of Rights, that it's treated differently and it should be treated differently. That it's it's restricted more and it should be res- restricted more than other rights, because it essentially is a, a second or third class right compared to other rights like First Amendment rights or Fourth Amendment rights. And I was I overjoyed by the way when we got the, the the case this year, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin case, which was very very clear in repudiating that argument completely. The Second Amendment is not a second-tier right. It's not looked at differently. There's no there's, there's no classification of rights in the Bill of Rights. There's no hierarchy of rights in the Bill of Rights. So everything that, that she's been saying to the Indiana General Assembly now for several years got completely repudiated. But I went into this talking not about uh, that lady at IU School of Law in Bloomington, but about... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, 
Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This uh, other law professor at University of Washington School of Law. And in talking about gun rights, this is a quote that really caught my attention. Again, this is Leela Sadat. This is her quote. The current focus in the United States is almost entirely on the rights, and rights is in quotes, on the rights of individuals wishing to purchase and wield arms, which they frame as gun rights guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I would like to say there's no such thing as gun rights because guns don't have rights. People do. (laughs) And that's just not me being professorial. Oh, yeah. Law professors love to call themselves professorial. And that's not just me being professorial. It's a fundamental point. You have to look at the entire framework in which the Second Amendment is embedded. It is part of the Constitution premised upon the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And none of us experience those rights if we're shot or terrorized by gun violence. Okay, now, there's a whole lot to unpack here. There's a lot to talk about here. And I wanted to talk about it on the show tonight because this is so emblematic. This is so typical of the kind of arguments we see and the kind of doublespeak that, that we hear from, from gun control proponents, those people who would eradicate the Second Amendment if given a moment's chance. Consider what she says. She says, there's no such thing as gun rights because guns don't have rights people do. <laughs> is she saying, seriously, is she saying that when people say gun rights, we're trying to say that guns have rights? Can she say that with a straight face, do you believe? It's a complete fallacy. It's a complete straw man. No one argues that guns have rights. What do we say? We say we have the right to keep and bear arms. Guns are a subset of arms. Therefore, we have a right to own guns. The Second Amendment clearly says we have the right to own guns, and the U.S., Supreme Court has said, interpreting the Second Amendment, that we have a right to possess guns. So gun rights are simply the right of people to bear bear arms, to keep and bear arms, exactly as stated in the Second Amendment. But look at the doublespeak. She goes, there's no such thing as gun rights because guns don't have rights people do. And then she ends the sentence by saying that none of us experience the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness— Quote, if we're shot or terrorized by gun violence. Oh, wait a minute. There's no such thing as gun rights because guns don't have rights. People do. Then how the hell is there such a thing as gun violence? 
are guns violent all by themselves, Professor? I would love it if some first-year law student sitting in the front row raised her hand at the end of that sentence and said, and this would be, this would be me in law school. Uh, yeah, my professors, I'm, gl- I'm so glad there was anonymous grading in law school because I was a pain in their ass, let me just tell you. Because this would be me. I would be that guy. I wouldn't be in the front row. I was the guy in the back row wearing a really cheap suit, probably sweating like hell, because I just ran on my lunch hour from my job where I was getting paid next to nothing to fly over and illegally park to race in and take a law class on my lunch hour so I could race back to my job where I was making next to nothing. So I'm the guy in the back row just trying to make it through law school. But I would have absolutely said, Professor, I'm confused. If there's no such thing as gun rights... Because guns don't have rights, people do. How is there such a thing as gun violence? Are you saying guns are violent all by themselves, Professor? And what would she say to that? Well, when I say gun violence, I mean I mean people using guns to commit violence. Oh, so by definition, that means gun rights means people having the right to keep and bear arms as guaranteed under the Second Amendment. Wouldn't you say that's true, Professor? And, and, I, and I guarantee you, the reaction you would get had someone challenged her like that, what, what I call the fish mouth. You know what the fish mouth is? You know, a, a fish, you know, just it, 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 it almost looks like it's blowing bubbles. It's just kind of got the, the, the round mouth that opens and closes repeatedly. That's the look someone gives you when they have no idea how to respond to the fact that you just cut their head off, logically speaking, and they have no response whatsoever. That would, clearly would happen here. But let's keep going a little bit. And we're at the bottom of the hour, but I, I, this is worth further further discussion. But she, she said, there's no, there's, there's, no, there's no, no fundamental right in the Constitution known as gun rights. And she goes, you have to look at the Second Amendment, and it's part of the entire framework of, of, of the Constitution, which is premised upon the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. She's also mixing her documents there. The, the, the words, the terms, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness appear nowhere in the Constitution. Where do those come from? They come from the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence is just what it sounds like. That was our declaration severing the legal ties and the governmental ties between the 13 colonies and Great Britain. That was our Dear John letter to King George. That was saying, see ya. And yes, people have certain unalienable rights, meaning they can't be taken away. And it is the duty of government to preserve those rights. But those rights, in and of themselves, appear nowhere in the Constitution itself. But I agree that the Declaration of Independence says, because right after it says that, 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 pe- that people have certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then the very next line is that to preserve these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So, yes, to preserve those rights, governments are instituted among men. That's absolutely right. And Jefferson, who primarily drafted the Declaration of Independence, was right there when our brilliant founders were creating the Constitution. And he he continued to participate as we got past the original Constitutional Convention and they reconvened so as to agree on the Bill of Rights that ended up in in the Ten Amendments that were ratified in 1791, including the Second Amendment. And they decided that, 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 that if a government is instituted among men, 
so as to preserve these rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, why do you suppose they put the right to keep and bear arms second, right after the right of freedom of religion, freedom of the press, and freedom of speech that are all in the First Amendment? Why do you suppose they put the Second Amendment second after just years before, and it's a decade before, but still, years before, having said that the, the responsibility of government is to preserve these unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why do you suppose they put the right to keep and bear arms as second in the Bill of Rights, knowing it's the government's job to preserve life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? It's because if I can't defend my life, and if I can't defend my family's life, do I really have a right to life? If I have no right to protect myself or protect my family, then how, how, do you, how can you say that I have a right to life? If I have no right to resist a tyrannical government, exactly as our founders did. You go back to the Second Amendment, talking about a well-regulated militia, that's me and you. The Supreme Court has ended that debate. A militia is not an organized governmental unit. It's me and you. It's every person in the United States that in order to preserve the security of a free state being necessary, necessary to a free state, what are they saying? That I have the right and, and I, to stand up to a tyrannical government, but what is a right to stand up to a tyrannical government if I don't have the ability to do so? What gives me the ability to do so? That is to preserve my liberty as in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What preserves my liberty is not only the right, but the ability to defend my life and to defend my liberty. I defend my liberty by standing up to a tyrannical government. How do I do that if my government has disarmed me? And all that culminates in the pursuit of happiness. The Second Amendment, contrary to this idiot law professor, Layla Sadat, and, it, and, and it, what a shame. She's a law professor. She's teaching lawyers. She's teaching people how to practice law. And she's so confused on the, the, the founding documents that created this great governmental system we have that she doesn't, doesn't understand that not only is the Second Amendment integral to the rights preserved by the Constitution, that it's ab ab absolutely essential to protect what she's carping about, which is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A law professor doesn't understand that, but you do. You do because you listen to The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're well past the bottom of the hour. Producer Carl's been giving me the shut the hell up signal for now for five minutes, so we're taking a break. We're going to take your calls, and we're going to branch out. We're going to talk about some more practical things, uh, get past the, uh, the philosophical a little bit, get into some practical uh, gun-related issues, Second Amendment-related issues uh, for the rest of the show. But hey, as we always do, we want to take your calls. You want to talk about the Warrior 110, that kind of a project? Hey, I'd love to hear from you. If you participated or you saw us walking up and down 31 like a bunch of idiots out in the snow, uh, I'd love to hear from you. It's 317-239-9393. And whatever gun-related issue you want to raise, we're happy to talk to you. We always love taking calls from our listeners here on The Gun Guy Show. 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And our buddy Buzz has called in, so let's go to the phone lines. And uh, Buzz, welcome back to The Gun Guy Show, buddy. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, really? Uh, I'm upset. I don't like winter. 
I hear okay. that. What do you got what for us, Buzz? What can we do legislatively to stop the infringements that the ATF are doing with just a stroke of the pen? Oh, well, it's a great question. And there's there's two things. And, and I, and I got to tell you, Buzz, um, this is my biggest concern. I, right before I left uh, today to, to go uh, participate in the Warrior 110, um, I was at my office and, and had a letter from ATF. I'm fighting with them right now. I have a client who is a collector of guns, and he's got guns that he's been collecting. He's got guns in his collection he's had for over 30 years. He's just a collector. And he occasionally will barter for a, a, a different gun because he's, he, he, it's a better example of a gun he wants in his collection. But he's just a collector. And the ATF has said over and over again, including in what are, what are called guidance documents that tell people how ATF interprets the law, that you can be a collector and you can occasionally buy and sell guns as part of building your collection. And you can even sell a gun simply to get funds to purchase a gun that you like better to add to your collection and that and that you're not considered being engaged in the business of buying and selling firearms which requires a federal firearms license and that's exactly what this guy's been doing he's just been building his collection and 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 had a very large collection he had a large collection because he wasn't churning guns trying to make a profit he's a collector not engaged in the business there's no question about that the ATF has seized his enti- entire collection, seized it, no compensation, just taken it. And they've said, no, we think you're engaged in the business without a license. I spelled out in detail, in very fine detail, why it is that according to the law, he didn't, he wasn't required to have a license and he's not engaged in the business. And they said, well, you haven't provided a federal firearms license and he's bought and sold guns without a license. Therefore, he's engaged in the business. Therefore, we're seizing his entire collection. They've never charged him with a crime. Get your head around that for a minute. They've never charged him with a crime. Being engaged in the business of buying and selling firearms without a license is a crime. You could do five years in prison for that. If they think he's engaged in the business, illegally engaged in the business, of buying and selling firearms without a license, why haven't they charged him with a crime? I know why, because they've probably taken it to the U.S. Attorney's Office, that's the federal prosecutors, and they've looked at it and said, you don't have a case. This guy's not buying and selling firearms for a living. He's not trying to generate a profit. He's just a collector. So ATF on its own has said, well, we'll just seize his collection then. Never having had the cojones to step up and charge him with a crime. So now we have to go through this whole administrative BS process of trying to get his guns back where the ATF is like the judge, jury, and executioner. And eventually, yes, we can sue them, and it's going to be expensive. And the poor guy, if and when he gets his collection back, will have had to spend a bunch of money litigating with the ATF purely because the ATF is out of control, purely because the ATF is a rogue agency. And the courts have let him become this, and Congress has let him become that. So that gets us back to Buzz's question, which is a fabulous question. The question was, what can we do legislatively to rein them in? Look, executive agencies only get the power they have through the abdication of power from the legislature. 
the legislature passes law. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. That enable executive agencies to do what they do. Anytime Congress wants to limit the ability of an executive agency like ATF to do anything, they can do that by simply passing a bill or amending a law that empowers the ATF to begin with. And where the ATF makes up its own power, that's up to the courts at that point to slap them down. And there's there was a, a Supreme Court case this year. It was West Virginia versus EPA. And it was a clean water, clean water, clean air, one of those. But it had nothing to do with the Second Amendment. But I was really, really, really excited to see this opinion. And I've mentioned it before here on the show. The reason I was so excited to see this opinion is it said that the EPA had completely wandered off on its own, created, again, I forget, clean air or clean water regulations that Congress never explicitly gave them the power to create. And it said agencies can't simply create their own legislative ability in terms of their ability to pass rules and regulations that restrict people's rights, restrict people's businesses. That any power an executive agency has to have been expressly expressly and explicitly delegated from Congress to that executive agency. And I haven't seen an opinion like that in quite some time. The Supreme Court and Congress, between the two of them, Congress being lazy, saying, oh, yeah, well, to the extent the executive agencies are out there doing all these things, we don't have to worry about legislating in those areas. The agencies are taking care of all that. And, oh, by the way, nobody is, is, is going to not get elected or reelected because an executive agency does something that people don't like because those people aren't elected. They're staffers. So Congress loves that because they leave all the dirty work to the executive agency. They get to shrug their shoulders and say, that's not us. It was the EPA. That's not us. That was ATF. But Congress can pass laws anytime it wants to to restrict the powers of executive agencies. And the courts can continue to do what the Supreme Court did in West Virginia versus EPA to say, hold on, executive agency, ATF, EPA, whatever, you know, IRS. You don't have the power to pass that regulation because Congress didn't explicitly give it give it to you. Therefore, it's unconstitutional. It's outside your ability to legislate as an executive agency. That's huge, and that's what needs to happen. That, answer, that answers the question, Buzz. Not only can Congress do it, but the courts can do it as well, and we need to fight for both. And that includes taking on executive, executive agencies like the ATF, when they go rogue, like the ATF clearly is. All right, we're going to have a very short segment when we come back because we went long here again, but we will come back after this break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. 
And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you, we've got a very, very short segment here since I went over the last uh, the last two. But let me let me just say thank you uh, to a whole bunch of people. And I keep mentioning it, but I got to tell you, it, it's somewhat overwhelming to me. Uh, my texts uh, are blowing up to some degree. My social media, the my pri- private messages on social media, uh, talking about their support for uh, uh, Brian Alvey and the Warrior One Ten and the uh, the, the complete heroes who completed all 110 miles. And think about that. In five days, 110 miles uh, culminating today. I just I just walked the last 10, and uh, I'm going to be limping home with how my feet feel. But uh, the rest of me is doing all right. My knees weren't real happy there for a while, but they seem to have recovered. But the support is, uh, is pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. And I mentioned it in the very first segment. Uh, but uh, the number of people who honked and, and waved and gave us thumbs up and, and yelled nice things out the window and uh, even even rolled up along next to us to, to high five the people marching along uh, in a big group. Man, we had a bunch of uh, big American flags people were carrying. Uh, people had their backpacks. I mean, again, these people have covered the, the vast majority of the folks in this group had, have covered 110 miles and uh, – and, and today was the, the culmination. And, and if you guys are listening uh, back at uh, the Legion in Greenwood, hey, man, I was honored to be there with you. And thanks so much for all the support. In the meantime, we're coming up on the top of the hour. It's time to take a break. We'll be back with hour number two when we come back. This is Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for hour number two, the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. It's kind of miserable outside, so it's a good day to uh, be hunkered up in a warm place next to the radio. Or if you're driving, we uh, we hope you're being safe out there. Things were things were a little dicey <laughs> the first thing this morning. I I saw a couple of slide offs. People don't uh, some people don't slow down much uh, when the roads are slick and wet, and and other people uh, slow down to about 20 miles an hour. So you got you got the the guys going 80 miles an hour who say damn the torpedoes, and then you got the folks who freak out and are are going uh, you know about 12 miles an hour and. Uh, I'm usually somewhere in between uh, when the roads are bad because I have a rear-wheel drive car that's not particularly good when the roads don't have good traction. And uh, at any rate, we hope uh, we hope you're being safe out there and hope um, it, it didn't stress you out as far as dealing with that weather when it, uh, when it was snowing quite a bit here this morning here in central Indiana. We'll get into a couple of things that I've, I've mentioned here on, on the Gun Guy Show before. But, you know, I, I, I have a lot of calls at my office where people are, are calling in and they've been uh, denied a gun purchase or they've applied for their license to carry, what we call it your license to carry handgun, and uh, they've been denied. And even though we have constitutional carry now, which means we've done away with the requirement to have a license to carry a handgun, licenses are still available. And a lot of people are still applying for their license. And there's a lot of good reasons to do so. For example, there are 32 other states that recognize the Indiana license. Now, 24 of those have constitutional carry. And that constitutional carry applies to non-residents in those states. So that means there are nine states out there that if you want to travel there and take your handgun, you need to have an Indiana license to carry. 
if you want to know exactly how that works and which states are which, I wrote an article here on um, the 2A Project website. And uh, you can go there, go to the2aproject.com and just scroll down to articles. And it'll be one of the, the first or second articles posted. It says how reciprocity works under constitutional care. Um, and uh, and actually, the way those numbers break out, my math was a little off there. Uh, there are 32 states that recognize uh, constitutional care within their states. But not all of them recognize it for uh, non-residents. One, North Dakota, says you have to be a North Dakota resident before you can carry without a license in North Dakota. That means there are 23 states that you can carry in without a license if you're from Indiana. There are 32 states that recognize our license. So what's the difference? Nine states. And again, if you want to know which states are which, just go to the2aproject.com. By the way, we'd love it if you join the 2A Project while you're there. You can uh, join for one year or two years or a lifetime. We have several of those, um, and we'd love to have you. But in the meantime, there's free information posted there, including this reciprocity. So there are, there are good reasons to get a license, one of which, and one always people always talk about, is, is travel. Uh, reciprocity. Reciprocity simply means there are other states that recognize our license. But there are more reasons than that. Let's say there's something you have on your record that doesn't make you a prohibited possessor, but may cause some confusion on the side of the road if you're pulled over by police officers. For instance, and I talk a lot about expungements, and I'm going to talk about more. I'm going to talk more about expungements here this evening. If you've had a felony conviction, but you've had it expunged. If a police officer re requests a record search on you, and there are limitations on when officers can run background checks, and typically they have to be part of a quote-unquote criminal investigation, but let's say an officer runs a background check on you, it, it could be very easy for them to see that you have a felony conviction because expunged felonies are still visible on your record to law enforcement. Okay, Depending on the level of felony, they can be cleared off your record in terms of what's available to the public. So like class D felonies, level six felonies, for instance, as we now call them, we changed the classification system. We went from class to level in about 2014. So the old, the old class D felonies, the current level six felonies, and a lot of times those are th for things like, say, your second OWI within five years, or what people call a DUI. Okay, that, that's typically a, a class D felony or level, now level six. Well, you can have that wiped off your record. And, and, and if somebody doing a background check on you will not see it. Like, say, for instance, for a, for a job, a civilian doing a background check on you will not see it. Law enforcement can, can see expunged felonies. So you're on the side of the road. Let's say you had that uh, two OWIs, two or three, whatever, within a certain period of time. They charged one as a felony. You got the level six felony or the class D felony. You then went and paid money and had it expunged. And if you have eight years with a clean criminal history, if you paid all your fines and fees and court costs, if you went to any education, complied with those kind of requirements, you know, a, a drug and alcohol class, whatever it might have been, anger management, you, you see a lot of times people get low-level batteries and they, they have to go take an anger management course. If you did all of that, paid your fines, fees, and court costs, and you have eight years with a clean criminal history, you can have a felony expunged off your record. I do those for people all the time. I've probably got eight I'm working on right now on my desk. 
And I love doing them because it's fun to restore people's rights. People have earned the right to have a second chance, to have their rights restored. Whatever right that might be, to hold public office, to own a gun. In some states, to vote. In some states, you can't vote with a felony conviction. I love restoring those rights, particularly Second Amendment rights. And people get emotional. You know, a lot of people have lost their rights for a long time, decades. We can go in and expunge those and restore their rights, and that's fun. But an officer on the side of the road may see your conviction for a felony, but not see or not be told that it was later expunged. That may lead them to conclude that you're a felon who can't have a handgun under constitutional care. How do you fix that? Get a license. You say, oh, no, I've gone through a background check since I had that felony expunged. Here's my license to carry, which is the Indiana State Police telling me and telling you, officer, that I'm legal to have a gun. Even if the officer eventually figures out that you're not a prohibited possessor, having your license to carry can turn a 20-minute traffic stop or a 30-minute traffic stop into a 5-minute traffic stop. Why? Because they don't have to investigate the legality of you having a firearm. Now, none of this is an argument against constitutional carry, and don't take it that way. I I fought for 10 years for constitutional carry. If you're not familiar with that term, that's doing away with the requirement for a license. What I choose to do, like going and getting, getting a license, that's up to me for my convenience, is entirely different than the government holding a requirement over my head that I come seek government approval to do what the Constitution says I already have a right to do. That's the premise behind constitutional carry. That very simple logic is why we got it passed this year, finally, after a 10-year fight with some really awesome people fighting like hell for it in the process. Jim Lucas and Ben Smaltz and Jerry Tor and Peggy Mayfield. And now, by the way, we've got some awesome new folks in the legislature. Craig Haggard, good friend of mine, shooting buddy, and uh, former Marine pilot, total badass, is now a part of the General Assembly. He's going to be right in there fighting with us as well. He and I are already talking about what we're going to do, and that's exciting. And he's going to be a force in the General Assembly, even in his early years. So we got it done, and I'm glad we did. But the point of this discussion is you may still elect to get a license because it has some advantages. Some people will not sell you a gun unless you have a license to carry. I'm talking about private individuals. In, in Indiana, there's no requirement for a quote-unquote background check for a, one private individual to sell a gun to another person. But as a seller... I can put whatever requirement I want on that transaction because I always have the right to simply not sell the gun. So somebody says, and I don't sell a lot of guns at all. In fact, I buy a gun. I, t- I tend to keep it uh, or maybe trade it in at, at the gun store, at the FFL, on something I want more. So, I'm, But on the very rare occasion I've ever sold a gun to a private individual, I've said, even this is somebody I knew, and I knew he owned other guns. But I said, I'd like to make a copy of your Indiana driver's license, and I want to see your Indiana license to carry handgun. And he said, and, and, and I was selling him a rifle. It was a, it was a Ruger bolt-action rifle, big bore rifle. And I, I bought it under the belief one year I was, I was planning a grizzly bear hunt. 
and that grizzly bear hunt never happened and the rifle sat around for the next 10 years. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I said, you know, the likelihood that I'm going to go grizzly bear hunting is probably getting pretty remote. I think I'll sell this rifle to raise some money to buy something different. And so I sold it to, to somebody I knew, but and, and, and the guy looked at me like I'm crazy. He goes, why, why would you need to see my license to carry handgun when I'm buying a rifle? Guy, you don't need a license to carry to buy a rifle. And I said, I fully understand that, but seeing your Indiana license to carry tells me that you're not a prohibited possessor, that you're someone who can legally possess a gun. And your Indiana driver's license tells me you're an Indiana resident because it's illegal to sell a gun to someone who's not a resident of your same state. And it also tells me that the license to carry handgun you just showed me is yours since the name matches your Indiana driver's license because there's no picture on a license to carry handgun. So there's right there three reasons why you may choose to get an Indiana license. People get denied all the time for a couple of reasons. We're, we're a little past the quarter hour, so we're going to take a break. And I'm going to talk about those reasons and how to fix them and, and, and talk about some confusion that I see people have a lot about their gun rights under how uh, Indiana law really works. And it can be confusing in a couple different areas. I don't want to spell it out for you. And by the way, I teach these same things in a continuing legal education course I teach to lawyers. And I got to tell you, an awful lot of lawyers don't understand the points I'm about to cover, but they're very important if you care about your gun rights in Indiana. That's what we'll get into. And we'll continue to take your calls. The calls have been really light tonight. So we, we want to continue to take your calls. 317-239-9393. Give us a call. 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And we're thrilled you're with us. I, uh, I'm continuing to get a lot of really cool comments on social media and even uh, on text on my phone about the Warrior 110. So I got to tell you, yeah, my, did my feet hurt? Yes. Are my knees unhappy? A little bit. And I only walked 10 miles. So these guys did 110 in five days. So shoosh. I just came in right at the end. I swooped in at the end. Producer Carl, like Rosie Ruiz at the New York Marathon. Was that New York or Boston? You know, you remember what I'm talking about? The, the Rosie, you don't know, you don't remember that name? Rosie Ruiz. Yeah, somebody out there in our listening audience, I guarantee you, WIBC has the most educated audience on the planet. Rosie Ruiz, and I forget which marathon it was. It was New York or Boston. I'm going to say New York. And, uh, you know, really famous marathon. And they have all these international runners. It's highly competitive. And this lady was apparently kind of a casual runner. She did not look like an elite marathoner. I can tell you that. She, like, was part of the crowd. And uh, a mile or so before the finish of the marathon, she just like hopped a barrier 
and uh, and jumped out. You know, I think with a with a with a uh, forged uh, number, you know, pinned to her jersey, and won the women's marathon. And uh, and somebody said, "Hold on, I saw that chick jump across the rope a mile from the finish ahead of all the other women runners." She did not win the damn marathon, but she was on the books as the winner for like for like a week. So I use that I use that analogy or that metaphor all the time. Um, like I said, I I just walked the last ten miles of a hundred and ten miles. That's just like Rosie Ruiz, man, hopping the barrier and finishing the marathon. You got to Google that, Carl. You, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I hopefully I'm not butchering the name, but I, that's the way I remember it is Rosie Ruiz. But at any rate, I just finished it. Um, uh, with some real heroes and some real studs, uh, men and women, uh, who, uh, who who covered the whole 110 miles. But uh, thanks again for all, all the nice comments. Um, in the meantime, I'll tell you what, David has called in with a question, and I'm just getting ready to shift gears a little bit to another topic. So uh, it's a good time to bring in David. David, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, good afternoon or good evening. Yep, yep. What you got? Hey, I was wondering with the short barrel rifle laws that they're getting ready to pass, or yep. they have passed, yep. how, how how will that impact anyone with a micro conversion kit? Oh, you and know, I'll, I'll just you listen mean, to the answer offline. Oh, you mean the micro Roni thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and and Dave, thanks for calling. You know, I've never owned one of these things. If you don't know what we're talking about, I mean, you can Google it. They call it a micro Roni. There's. Uh, a couple different versions. One has a brace, one has a shoulder stock on it. And what this is, it is designed to take a handgun, and I think most of them are designed designed for Glocks. They may have one now for like the Sig 320, but the one I, they're typically historically the ones I've seen have, have been designed for like a Glock 17. And you basically plug your Glock into this thing, and it's now got a longer barrel. So essentially almost a barrel extension as you plug your gun into it, your handgun into it. And then if it's got a shoulder stock, now what you've done is you've created a gun that's designed to be fired from the shoulder. If it's got a shoulder stock on it and it's got a barrel less than 16 inches, what is that? It's an SBR. And, and so to use this thing, you've got to have a stamp. Now, they get around that at least temporarily, or at least for the time being, I guess is a better way of putting it. Um by putting a brace on. What's a brace? It's called a pistol stabilizer brace, and it's actually designed ostensibly to fit around your forearm. And it's supposed to make uh, a gun easier to to stabilize and therefore to shoot one-handed. And particularly for people with disabilities, if you only have one arm, for instance, let's say you're a disabled veteran or partially disabled veteran and you, you've only got one arm, you, you only have one arm for whatever reason, you, you mount this thing to your, the forearm and you can use it one-handed. And, and so ATF originally came out and said, well, putting a pistol stabilizer brace on your on your gun with a barrel less than 16 inches doesn't make it an SBR because it's really designed to still uh, for you to shoot that gun one-handed. And a and a and a rifle, and it has to be a rifle before it's a short-barreled rifle, has to be designed to be fired from the shoulder. But what happened is people started putting braces on their guns and then using them as shoulder stocks. And and they even design them and you look at them. A lot of them it's it's hard to see that it's not a stock. It's not a shoulder stock. It's, oh, go, oh yeah, well, it's got this little piece that pries apart at the end and a little velcro stat, uh, strap on it. So, oh, so it's a brace, not a stock. But what's everybody do? They use it as a brace. So the new regulation that David mentioned that's coming out, it goes into effect next month. It goes into effect December. There's now this ridiculous point system 
that ATF has created. Because it used to be if your gun had a brace, it simply wasn't a rifle. Well, now the, the new system says, well, it may be a rifle. And we don't know whether it's a rifle until we add up your points. And what do you get points for? You get more points for the heavier the gun is. So there's, the weight is one factor. The bigger the caliber. So if it's a traditional rifle caliber, like 223, 556, 762, then you get points for that. If it's not 9mm, 45, something that's more a traditional pistol caliber. Uh, barrel length. The actual design of the brace itself if it's designed more like a stock than a brace, then you get points for that as well. And you add up your points, and if you're over a certain number of points, then it's an SBR, even though it's got a brace on it. Used to be all braces were cool. Now, some braces are not cool, depending on the configuration of the rest of your gun. So, a micro Roni, look, they're, they're just plastic. They're, they're kind of a gimmick in my mind. I mean, I think they're kind of dumb. Um, but I've never owned one. Uh, I've only shot a gun with them a couple of times. I'm like, okay, I can take the Glock handgun and now put it against my shoulder and, and have a little longer barrel, so a longer sight radius. And is that going to be more accurate than just a pistol? Yeah, for most people. So I, I get it, I guess. I'd rather just have an SBR, frankly, and in and, and, and a big boy caliber. I don't mean to be sexist saying big boy caliber, <laughs> but in an adult caliber, how's that? Um or a more traditional rifle caliber. So, and I, so I just go ahead and put a traditional stock on it, and then I pay the money to get my stamp. That way I don't have to worry about the ATF changing its damn mind, which I always knew they were going to do on braces anyway. I, I told I've never trusted the ATF on braces. People said, oh, why would you pay $200 for a stamp when you can avoid that and just have a brace? I said, because they're going to change the law on braces. I've been saying that for 10 years, really since braces were really popular. And what did they just do? They changed the law on braces. So the micro Roni, David, I, you know, we would have to add up the points, but it, it doesn't weigh very much. It's, you know, you're still shooting a, a pistol caliber out of it. Um, it, it and, and if it's got a legitimate brace on it that's designed more like a brace than a shoulder stock, if I had to guess, and I do not know because I've never sat down and tried to figure out this point system in terms of app applied to a particular firearm, but if I had to guess, it, it, it probably is going to be under the point system, but um, but I don't know. And, and, and frankly, this is such an arbitrary process, and this point system is confusing. I mean, I do this for a living. You know, I've been an attorney for a damn long time. I do this for a living, and I look at this point system, and I'm going, holy hell, how does anybody really figure out how many points... I mean, you're going to have to have a scale, and you're going to have to, you know, figure all this other stuff out. Um, and and I think what it is fully intended to do, and this goes back to the 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 ATF being completely off the rails and just making up its own rules as it goes, is they're basically basically trying to bluff everybody into just getting a stamp. Now, the argument against what I just said, because I've said hell with it, I'll pay for my stamp, I'll have an SBR, it's a registered SBR, I don't have to worry about them changing their their rules. The, the, the argument against that, and this is a completely legitimate argument, anytime anybody makes this argument, I nod my head and go, yep, that's a valid point, and that is that I'm on the list. I have a registered SBR. If if, if, if we ever get a, 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 a enough of a Democrat majority in Congress with a Democrat president, and they outlaw all the so-called assault weapons that they really want to outlaw, hell, Biden just came out, what, yesterday, day before, and said it again. I'm not done trying to ban assault weapons, quote unquote, which they define pretty much as every semi-automatic firearm under the planet. That's a little broad, but it's pretty damn close. If they ever come out and ban them all, whether they're registered under the NFA or not, 
we're the first ones they're going to come take if there's confiscation involved or mandatory buyback, which is just a euphemism for confiscation. The ones that are on the list. In other words, the ones that are registered with the government. What are registered with the government? Anything under the NFA. So I get that. I don't see that happening in my lifetime, but I'm pretty damn old. You're 20, 30 years younger than me. You may have more to worry about down the road as we lose control to uh, the the gun-hating liberals in uh, Washington, D.C. So that's a long-winded answer for David, uh, but I, I... uh, the, the whole system on braces is confusing enough, and ATF tends to make up the rules as they go enough. Anything anywhere close to a short-barreled rifle, I'd be very nervous um, about uh, uh, leaving a brace on it and hoping it's still a pistol and not a rifle. In the meantime, we're past the bottom of the hour. It's time to take a break. And we'll continue to take your calls. Give us a call. Two, no, it's three. 317-239-9393. That's 317 317- 239-9393. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Glad to have you with us on a pretty frigid Saturday evening. Um, Going to switch gears a little bit here again, but in the meantime, Jerry has called in, and we love to take calls from our listeners. So, Jerry, what do you got for us? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um I just wanted to comment on uh, the no-gun policy some businesses have. Uh And I I think you talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I don't understand these businesses. They might as well uh, hang up a sign and say, uh, come on in, all you psychopaths, and do your mayhem because no one's (laughs) going to stop you. Yeah, well, no, that's exactly right. And then there have been some great cartoons, by the way, Jerry, that that mock this, um, you know, where two guys have, you know, like like sawed-off shotguns or AK-47s, and they've got black hoods, uh, you know, ski masks on, and, and they're walking into a business, and there's a no-gun sign, and they're like, ah, oh, drat, damn, can't go in there and commit, you know, our, hor- our horrific crime because it's got a no-gun sign. Like, any criminal is ever going to pay attention to the damn sign. Um, and, and so it's a legitimate point. It's It's idiotic. Um, it, uh, to some degree, I think it's it's kind of virtue signaling. They're 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 trying to tell the anti-gun crowd, "Ooh, look at us, we're on your side." Uh, I take it that way. The idiots that mom demand action, for instance, I mean, when they when they, here in Indiana, when they've completely failed to get anything done in the legislature, I mean, they lose every fight. You know, they fought us tooth and nail on constitutional carry. We won that fight. They fought us on uh, self-defense immunity. We won that. They fought us on church carry. We won that. They 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 fought us on uh, uh, guns uh, at the workplace, uh, and you know, and and we won that. They, they 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 fight us on everything, and we continue to win. So they get their asses kicked in the legislature. So what they've done is they've decided, well, I know we'll go to. To companies, we'll go to to businesses like Starbucks, and we'll convince them to uh, have a no gun policy, or or we'll we'll convince you know Walmart or Target or whoever it is to you know have a no open carry policy or a, a whatever it might be, no gun policy, and then they declare victory. Look at us, we're keeping America safer. Yeah, right. Because if I'm an armed robber and I want or go in, or I'm some psychopath who wants to commit a mass shooting, uh, why wouldn't I go to the place that forbids guns? Because some number of law-abiding citizens are going to go, well, I'm not supposed to carry a gun in there. I better not take my gun. 
and and we're better to commit a mass shooting as someone where there's no guns. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. That's why they invariably happen in those places. That's why we fought so hard for church carry. Because in Indiana, there's never been a law, at least not in my lifetime, and I'm old. um, There's never been a law in Indiana since it's illegal to carry a gun in a church. But there's been a law for a long time that says you can't have a gun on school property. And school property is defined as any property co-owned or co-located with a school. So in other words, if there's a church and a parochial school, on the same grounds, and they're co-owned by, say, the archdiocese, then the church is school property. Even though there's no kids in the school when the church services are going on, even though it's a weekend and the, the, the school's closed, the church is still school property. So here until 2019, it was a felony to carry a gun there. And there's also, the school property also includes licensed daycares. So how many churches have a licensed daycare on the same property? A lot. And a lot have, uh, you know, licensed preschool. The same thing. So for years, you know, I could be in a church on one side of the street that's got no school or daycare in it. I'm totally legal to carry my gun and protect myself against people who would commit a mass shooting in churches. And have we seen in this country mass shootings in churches? Oh, hell yes. We've seen a couple in Texas just in recent years. We've seen them in Wisconsin. We've seen them in California. We've seen seen them in several different places for a lot of years. Charleston. There are people who hate you just because of how you worship or who you worship. And, And they know where to find you. They know when the synagogue meets, has services. They know when the mosque or the temple meets. They know when my church meets, and they know they can find a whole bunch of people like me who worship like I do. And if they hate me because of the way I worship, they can find me when I go to worship. And so because of this ridiculous school property issue, is illegal to carry in, I'd say, in most churches in Indiana until 2019. And, we, and, and that wasn't just a no-gun sign like Jerry's asking about. That was a law that dealt with school property. Well, now... Thanks to a bill originally written by Ben Smaltz, and it got amended into a bill uh, offered by uh, by Jim Lucas that also had the self-defense immunity law that I wrote and Jim offered. We got all that passed in 2019. Now, if you go to a worship service or religious ceremony, or if you're performing your duties as an employee or a volunteer at a house of worship, While in that house of worship, it is legal for you to carry even though the house of worship is located on school property. We changed that in 2019. But let's go back to not where there's a law that says 
no guns are allowed. But more germane to Jerry's question, what about a business that just puts a no gun sign up? Well, if that's just a statement of their policy, and typically just a sign that says no guns, or as I've talked about before, the the sign that has a black silhouette of a gun with the international no symbol through it, or it might even it has that and then below it no guns, or no guns allowed on this on the on this property, that is simply the 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 business's policy, just like no masks, no service, or no shirt, no shoes, no service. That's just their policy. What happens if I violate their policy and I go in there with no mask on, even though they have a masks required sign up, they can say, hey, sir, excuse me, we require masks. You either need to put a mask on or leave. If I say, okay, sorry, my bad, and I leave, there's no harm, no foul. If I say no to hell with your policy, I'm staying here, notwithstanding your policy, now I'm committing the crime of criminal trespass. But a a no gun sign is just a statement of policy. Now, beware, though, the sign, and I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, beware a sign that actually denies you entry, because the criminal trespass statute says either if you refuse to leave after having been asked to leave a certain property, or if you've been denied entry to that property and you enter anyway, you can be prosecuted for criminal trespass. If I ever see a sign that says, and I always mention this in my gun law class when I'm recovering this point, if I ever see a sign that says, notice or warning, no guns allowed on this property, anyone in possession of a gun is hereby denied entry to these premises and shall be immediately subject to arrest and prosecution for criminal trespass pursuant to Indiana Code 35-41-2-2, which, by the way, is the actual statute. I don't know why that came to me right now. It just happened to it just happened to come to me. If I ever saw that sign, I'd go, "Oh, hold on. I've been denied entry. I'm not going to play around with that one." But in the meantime, I ignore them regularly. And Carl and I were just laughing that there's a common sign with the international no symbol and a black outline of a gun, and the black outline of the gun looks like a Beretta 92. I consider that a no Beretta sign. (laughs) I'm not carrying a Beretta. It doesn't apply to me. And I can be cavalier and and poke fun at that point because it's not a law in Indiana that says I can't carry a gun there when when they have a no-gun policy. In some states like Texas, everybody talk about how pro-gun Texas is. Hey, Texas has a lot of laws we don't have, including if a business owner puts a particular sign up in Texas that says guns are prohibited on these premises pursuant to da-da-da-da-da, and you carry a gun in there anyway, you go to jail in Texas. We don't have that law in Indiana. And that's why I can ignore those no-gun sign, no gun signs and don't have to worry about breaking a law, just breaking uh, a business's policy, which just means they can ask me to leave if they want to. In the meantime, we'll take a break and be back for the last segment here of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for the last segment here of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. As producer Carl is rocking some Joe Bonamasso, which always makes me happy. Um, we got kind of a short segment here, and let me just mention one other issue here. And I remember I got into this originally talking about issues that confuse people when they get denied a gun purchase or they're told they're a prohibited possessor. Let me tell you about a big one. That is, Indiana law uh, says, we have a law here in Indiana that says, if you've been convicted of domestic battery, even as a misdemeanor, you're a prohibited possessor. You can't possess a gun. There's a federal law that says exactly the same thing. So here's what happens to a lot of people. 
They get charged with a misdemeanor. Misdemeanor means generally there's no deadly weapon. Nobody really got hurt, seriously hurt. But it's still a battery. A battery is just touching someone in a rude, angry, or insolent manner. That's the definition. Rude, angry, or insolent. And and that's pretty easy to prove. It's just touching someone. And so you get arrested for domestic battery. You get convicted. Of, or well, let's say before you get convicted. The prosecutor comes to you and says, listen or he comes to your attorney and says, listen, if you get convicted of domestic battery, you can't possess a gun. So I'll drop domestic battery if you just plead guilty to battery. And then you won't lose your gun rights. Guess what? Indiana law also has, and federal law also says, Indiana law has a provision that says, if you are guilty of a crime of domestic violence, that's much, much broader than the specific crime of domestic battery. It's any crime, including just battery. It could be criminal confinement. It could be intimidation. Any crime that involves either the use of physical force or the threatened use of a deadly weapon that's committed against an intimate partner, no matter what it's called, is a crime of domestic violence and you're a prohibited possessor. So what's that mean? If you take that deal where the prosecutor says, I'll drop domestic battery if you just plead guilty to battery, you're still a prohibited possessor. That catches a lot of people by surprise, and a lot of people aren't happy after they call my office and I give them that explanation. And that wraps us up for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope to come back next week. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.